Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Welcome back to The Advertising Show. Great to have you here this weekend because we've got a great guest as well, Paul Gillen author of The New Influencers, A Marketer's Guide to the New Social Media. We've got Paul on the line out of Boston, and we'll be bringing him on here in just a few minutes. Also, uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, not doing it. Where, who's that sound like? A little bit like uh, somebody. <laughs> I would know. say that was uh, George not Senior. Yeah, yeah. George Senior. So that's yes. what the, the title of our sales trainer is. Uh, Jeffrey Gittimer is not doing it. And Patrick Meyer, a little bit later on this hour, our marketing insider, Ready, Aim, and Fire. Seems like there's connectivity there. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, a lot more uh, as well with uh, Paul and uh, a whole bunch of good stuff here. The Advertising Show being brought to you, by the way, by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show is a big Radio Midgets production. You know, yeah, Don Imus could be right a, there. Say what now? That was Johnny Carson right there, a little oh. bit of... Uh, 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 I don't know. What is he does that old lady, or he used to. <laughs> what am I saying? We, that was Karnak or something. Yeah, well, something no, like it was the grandma, remember? Oh, the, the grandma, okay. Well, you sounded Speaking a little like her. Speaking of folks uh, in that uh, in that uh, field, uh, Merv Griffin uh, recently yeah. passed away. Right. Uh, well, I'll tell you something. Set up a business and then sell it for $250 bucks. Yeah. Have a nice day. That's right. pretty cool. But he was a great entertainer and great. Uh, was around for so many years, so it's yeah. uh, it's going to be missed. And, and the media has been doing so much. I mean, uh, my gosh, this past week, uh, you turn on the TV and Entertainment Tonight, a, a, a salute to Merv Griffin, mm-hmm. and so on and so on and so on. It's kind of funny. I wonder if they do that for Don Imus. Maybe. Why? Does he, does he not look well? No, he's feeling fine. As a matter of fact, yeah. he may be back on the radio yeah. Apparently they uh, he settled undisclosed yeah. of course and they said it's forty million and they said he didn't even come close to getting forty mil. Well, that's what so, was left on his contract. Yeah. 40. Yeah, exactly. So he probably got about ten mil. But yeah. they said he's to coming back. Work. Pardon me. To not work. To not work. To not work. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Imus's right. attorney confirmed that he is being courted by major media outlets as reports of a possible return to CBS. The company that fired him, Swirl. Uh, Kinky Friedman, <laughs> we know Kinky from uh, and the from Texas, Texas Jew Boys. Yes. yes, exactly. They said the shock jocks comeback could come as early as January. He said he's definitely coming back, and um, they also said the Reverend Al Sharpton is saying, "Yeah, we're going to be watching you like a hawk." Yeah. Imus. So anyway, it's it's real interesting. So the fact that he's coming back to the radio, I think that's great. The guy does a good job with the radio show. He had a great thing on CNBC. And I'm right. sure he's just as sad about what he said and wishes he could take it back, but he can't. And that's what Well, done. it so. wasn't anything new for Imus. He'd been doing that a while. It just came to uh, the public's attention because uh, a bit was made out of that. And by the way, if CBS is listening, Ray and I will not work in the next three to four years for half that. <laughs> Five million. <laughs> if he got ten. I'll go for, I'll go for 20, actually. I'll you know, we'll split it with you. That's fine. Well, you know, we used to do good advertising and, and bad advertising here on the advertising show, and yes, we, we do we do drop that in from time to time if we can get uh, notice. But uh, this would be uh, this would be a combo item, making it both good and bad. When All Toto, right. you 
Yeah, when Toto USA, and that's not the dog, but a company, decided to put a billboard up in Times Square for its brand of bidets, that might be tricky, uh, it came up with what was, I consider, a clever idea, rather provocative. It was yeah. a row of bare bottoms okay. with happy faces drawn on each with the message, clean is happy. <laughs> But the Times Square Church found it objectionable, and the, objectionable, oh, and, and the church sued Toto USA. The compromise was reached with a new version. This would be the advertising and a, and a new ad happen? going up that recently bared bottoms, covered yeah. by a white strip, and the new message reads: "Clean is happy, no ifs, ands, or dot dot dot." <laughs> no, it doesn't do the the thing. I, you know. The white strip across, yeah, all exactly. the way across, yeah. and then the copy on on the white strip. I would have right. put thongs on them. Yeah, no, I like that. Well, I like that. Yeah, you don't, you don't no like if, that. You don't like that comeback. If you were to see it, no. you would realize how the other one was like really good, and then this one, having seen the other original version, yeah, which they have pictures of right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just really doesn't do it justice. Toto USA will continue to use its original creative for online ads, Good. as well as on billboards uh, along West Hollywood Sunset Strip, which apparently it's seedy enough there to handle risque right. ads and uh, more acceptable. The Times Square ad will be up, the new version, for a month. Okay, that's silly. Okay, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Not doing it. Let's see who this is. This is, i got my paper covered here, Jeffrey Gittimer on the advertising show. No ifs, ands, or buts. Something like that. Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. My third from the next book is going to be titled, You Already Know What to Do, You're Just Not Doing It. You know, salespeople are the smartest people in the world. I go from audience to audience. They all have one common theme among them. Everybody already knows everything, you included. Problem is, you're just not doing it. You know, there's a big difference between knowing and doing. As you go through this little lesson, or as you go through any lesson or any seminar, and somebody makes a point or a statement that's worthwhile, don't tell yourself, I know that. Rather, ask yourself, how good am I at that? You see, that question will lead you to learning. That question will lead you to understanding. And that question will lead you to take the action you already know you should be taking. Lessons in time management, in my opinion, are a waste of time. You already know what to do. You even know when to do it. What you need is a lesson in procrastination or lessons in higher self-image so you'll take the action or a lesson in fear of rejection. Act now. You already know what to do. You're just not doing it. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. 
And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Thanks, Jeffrey. On the advertising show, it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and Paul Gillen out of Boston will be joining us. Author of The New Influencers, A Marketer's Guide to the New Social Media. Got him on for uh, for three segments on today's show, and looking forward to it as well. Product packages now shout to get your attention. Well, they always seem to have shouted to get your attention. They did it mm-hmm. with uh, with pictures and such, but uh, little things. Uh, Kleenex, after 40 years of sticking with square and rectangular boxes, has started selling tissue in oval packages, trying to get your attention. I didn't know this because I really don't drink that much Coors Light. Coors Light bottles now have labels that turn blue. When the beer is chilled to the right temperature? Hmm. I didn't know that, did you? No, and, and who's going to look at it? I mean, what are you going to do, keep opening the refrigerator to look I at it? do not know. Yeah. <laughs> Light keeps going off. And Huggies Henry the Hippo had hand soap. This is good. Uh, the hand soap bottles have a light that flashes for 20 seconds to show children how long they should wash their hands. Yeah, I like that. It is a great idea. Plus, if they wash them for 20 seconds, they use more of the product, and consequently, they buy more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shift is mostly because of the rise of the Internet and hundreds of television channels, which mean marketers can no longer count on people seeing their commercials. Well, I'm not so sure about that. but uh, You know, uh, Coors, the idea there, I'd not heard that, and it's a bit of gimmicky, I think. I mean, you know when your beer is cold, it's either been in the refrigerator long <laughs> enough or it hasn't, or it's in the ice uh, for a period of time. You don't, If no. it's that tricky that you have to have a label that turns a color to know if it's the right temperature, you're probably not you know, much of a beer drinker. And when you're on your fourth or fifth Coors, like, I don't know what, what difference color is that, that is. First of all, you wouldn't drink a Coors, and neither would I. No. Thank you very much. Uh, what you, uh, you say that uh, the new beer out of, uh, I guess, the, uh, the was it out of Maui, or was it, what was it called? Yeah, uh, Maui Brewing Company Maui is Brewing the name Company. of the brewer, yeah. And they got a great giving, website. Giving the Kona Brewing Company a run for their money. Okay. Yeah. There's your Kona and Maui commercial here on the Advertising Show with Ray Shones and Brad Forsyth. Stay with us. We've got uh, Paul coming up next. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. I drink Dr. Pepper and I'm proud. I used to be alone in a crowd. But now you look around these days. There seems to be a Dr. Pepper craze. Back on the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and a diehard uh, Red Sox fan. Paul Gillen has been reporting on the impacts of uh, technology and media for 25 years now. Before focusing full-time on social media, he was the founding editor-in-chief of Tech Target, one of the most successful new media uh, entities to merge on the Internet. Previously, he was editor-in-chief of Computer World. I know that one. As principal of Paul Gillen Communications, he now advises marketing execs and CEOs on how to turn the new social media to their advantage. Uh, the book is called The New Influencer is a Marketer's Guide to the New Social Media. And, uh, Paul, it's, it certainly is great to have you on the uh, show this weekend. We appreciate you dropping by. I can't tell you how delighted I am to be here. Thank you, Ray. Brad? Well, we're honored to have you, Paul. And, and by the way, while we're sending out accolades, uh, Catherine, is it Marengi? Uh, Catherine Marengi. Yes. Marengi. 
Catherine has done an outstanding job. I don't know how to pronounce her name because I wasn't uh, interacting with her. One of our producers were, but she's done an outstanding job as a publicist for you and uh, your publisher or whoever that may have hired her. And I just wanted to compliment the uh, fine job that Catherine has done for you, Paul, and getting you on the show today. She also I've known Catherine for uh, over 25 years, and she is a, a fabulous publicist. So I, uh, if I can put in a plug for her, Catherine Marenghi of Marenghi Communications. There you go. Well, and to learn more, that's Marenghi.com. <laughs> how do you go that's there? True. Uh, Go ahead and let's, spell merengue then. <laughs> yeah, well, but, yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about media. You know, uh, traditional media is, uh, I don't know, well, let's be polite and say it's in flux right now. Give us a little uh, taste of what you think the future of newspapers are, Paul. Uh, I, I think it's a very bleak future because the economic model of newspapers is really not sustainable in this new world of, of media that is primarily driven online. You know, all of the... Um, demographic trends are toward uh, younger people are getting more of their information online and, and less of it from uh, traditional mainstream media. According to one survey, people under uh, less than 35% of people under the age of 35 read a newspaper every day, whereas uh, over the age of 65, that, that number doubles to about 70%. So I think the, um, the problem the newspapers have is that the, uh, not that they, they're not valuable, certainly the, the service they provide is valuable, but the economics of their business, with all of the fixed costs in printing, in uh, labor unions, in distribution, delivery trucks, and, and those sorts of things, are, uh, are really not sustainable in this new world we're developing where information will increasingly be delivered online. So I think it's a very bleak uh, future for newspapers. In fact, I have a, I have a blog uh, called newspaperdeathwatch.com, uh, which is kind of a tongue-in-cheek title, but which is really a uh, chronicle of the declining fortunes of metropolitan daily newspapers. Well, you know, that was one of my news items I was going to read today, and I didn't uh, realize that that was your website. Uh, it, it is something I started about three months ago, and it's uh, again, it's not a, uh, it's not intended to be a cynical uh, effort so much as. A, a realization that I think that the newspaper business model is crumbling and that it will have to be replaced by something else. I, I personally believe that in, in 20 years there will probably be uh, five major newspapers left in the United States, and uh, most of them will be gone. They'll be replaced by some other model that's largely online and will be done quite differently from the way we... Um, from the way news, newspapers are produced today, and I actually believe that there will be a rebirth of journalism around this new model, which will be more exciting and in many ways more dynamic and, and more uh, fulfilling uh, than the way we do journalism right now. Well, you know, Dow Jones buyer Rupert Murdoch uh, said that he wants the Wall Street Journal to forego its 65 million subscription business in order to reach more people, while many, of course, uh, in the web uh, critic circles applaud the proposed switch. Newspaper purists say that the uh, you know come one come all approach, Paul, would uh, generate the usage of uh, the uh, won't generate, I should say, the uh, uh, ad revenue to justify uh, doing away with the subscription model. Do you agree with that? Uh, I do believe the subscription model has been largely uh, a failure on the web. There, there are some uh, some publications, including ad Advertising Age, that have a, a subscription model, but but fewer and fewer of them work that way. I think that where the the, the web wants to be free. And the uh, advertising model that was pioneered by Google and has been refined by uh, many other companies is demonstrating that uh, contextual advertising and, and market-focused advertising can be successful and can sustain 
uh, uh, publications that, that provide value. Uh, I think that the again, uh, newspapers are laden with a um, a cost structure that is really not going to be viable in the long term. And I think something will come along to replace them that will uh, do away with a lot of the overhead of of printing presses and delivery trucks, and we'll, we'll replace that with uh, uh, the cost will be largely personnel, and uh, and the, the services they provide will not necessarily be be any any less valuable than what newspapers provide right now, but the the cost structure will be much lower, and uh, and these will I believe over time come to replace newspapers as the dominant uh, sources of of um, news information. Can a, uh, a successful newspaper today migrate to the uh, to the web and repurpose content, or, or maybe uh, become a dedicated online version of what was once a traditional publication and, and survive that way? Well, you know, there, there's practically no precedent I can think of for a, uh, a a business of any kind replacing its business model with something that is uh, substantially uh, econ- uh, orders of magnitude lower cost. You know, I've been following the technology industry for 25 years and I've seen companies like uh, Digital Equipment and Prime Computer and Compaq and uh, and many others uh, fail because they were not able to uh, to re- reinvent their business model when a disruptive new technology came along. And I think the same problem faces newspapers right now. There being uh, the, the, the new models that are emerging on the internet are producing uh, information that people want to consume at costs that are in some cases two or three percent those of newspapers and I think that asking any any uh, business to to cut out ninety or ninety five percent of its costs and reinvent itself as something else is not it's not practical businesses just can't do that there are too many uh, forces on them that prevent them from making those changes even if they know those are the right changes to make so I think that's why newspapers uh, ultimately, the, the major metro dailies, the few that haven't made the jump to national distribution, are doomed and will not uh, be able to, to make this switch and will be replaced by something else. And those those publications that replace them may rise out of the ashes of those newspapers, but they will not be something that the newspapers themselves create. Yeah. You know, Ray and I have said for a long time now that if you, as a newspaper publisher or if you're in the newspaper business and you want to know what's happening to your readers, go to the obituary section of your newspaper and you'll see what's happening with them. Uh, and the demographic and trends all support that. As I, as I mentioned at the outset, uh, exactly. more than twice as, twice as many people uh, over the age of 65 read newspapers as, as under the age of 35. Right. The, and the same applies to television. You know, the average age of the... Um, the, the nightly, the 6 p.m. nightly news viewer, network news viewer, is is now 60. So uh, 10, 15 years from now, where where are those people, and where where is that programming? It's not going to exist anymore. The, 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 the young people simply don't watch them. Assisted care facility, that would be the destination there. <laughs> That's true. Maybe with it's the, a cable channel. <laughs> right. We have uh, the advertising show here with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe, also aging, but, you know, doggone it, we're doing it good here. Uh, These guys Paul, sound great. Thank you. Paul is out of uh, Boston, and uh, the book is called The New Influencers, uh, A Marketer's Guide to the new social media. And we've got more with Paul here in just a moment on the advertising show. Being powered by Shippel at Shippel.com. It's a program called Tenancy, and it kicks uh, you-know-what when it comes to marketing. So check it out as well. Back in just a moment with more on the advertising show.
Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Mm. I love the sound of the rain. Mm. And I love the taste of your fresh fruit coffee. Oh, thanks, but it's not fresh fruit. It's new Trecap. Like we said. And unlike that battery, uh, things don't uh, stay the same and keep going and going. The New Influencers is a marketer's guide to the new social media, and our guest out of Boston this weekend is Paul Gillen. Paul, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome back. Thanks. For, it's great to be here. Yeah, and if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we don't have authors on unless we uh, think their material or their book is uh, is great, and this is just a, a, an outstanding read. It's published by uh, Quill Driver Books, and it's available, I assume, at your local bookstore or Amazon.com. We encourage you to check out The New Influencers and our guest today, Paul Gillen. The New Influencers are an emerging group, as you describe, of trendsetters in the media world. Describe, if you would, Paul, the main groups of people forming these New Influencers and how they make their voices heard. Well, the premise of the New Influencers is that uh, new tools, new online tools, have enabled millions of people who would have never otherwise had a voice to uh, to publish. It's turned them into, into personal publishers. And the difference now, of course, is that with the Internet, you can publish to an audience of millions of people internationally for uh, little or no money. So the book really fo- focuses on the idea that there are some uh, tens of millions of people and it's not the 75 million or so blogs that uh, that are the number that's thrown around uh, often. It's actually more on the order of the, the 20 million or so blogs that are updated regularly that are uh, represent the voices of people who are now using these tools to to uh, publish. And you know, previously the big change here is that up until about five years ago. Uh, the cost of publishing was so prohibitive that only a few people could do it. You know, they've said that uh, you've heard the term, uh, you don't argue with people who buy ink by the by the barrel. Uh, well, now we can all buy ink by the barrel because we can all publish uh, for, for practically no money. And what has happened is that this has created many, uh, there are many people now who have uh, developed uh, centers of influence and, and are, have become major forces in markets that they think are important, and they could be markets as small or as specific as uh, DVD rentals or, uh, or uh, athletic shoes or uh, uh, parasailing uh, equipment, uh, people who have developed expertise and influence in these markets who are really beginning to move the markets and affect them in fundamental ways by using these tools to uh, essentially become their, their publishers. They have be, they've become uh, every much uh, every bit as important as uh, the publishers who were distributing on print just a few years ago. And, and the book is really about who those people are and how they acquired that influence. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about the the six different profiles of people that you have notable impact on, uh, you described, I should say, that have notable impact on markets through their use of social media. And uh, you talk about the gadget queen, uh, king, I should say, the corporate renegade, the marketer, the sound man, the tool maker, and the gorilla. And uh, not to take each particular one and go through that. Uh, let's take the marketer for for now, since we are the advertising show, and talk a little bit about this particular profile. A remarkable guy. His name, his name is Steve Rubel. He's a, um, a public relations professional out of uh, the New York City area. And uh, uh, really, uh, five years ago, very few people had heard of him. He was, he was successful in his job, but was not uh, someone who had a particularly high profile. And he started a blog, uh, I think it was in 2004, and really applied the principles of good public relations to promoting his blog. Now, he's a very active blogger. He blogs uh, every day or so, and, and he's quite prolific. Uh, but he, he promoted his blog in the same way he would promote a client's uh, product, and has become, through uh, uh, one thing leads to another, he's caught some lucky breaks, but he's become the number one public relations blogger on the Internet. Now, Steve Rubel, I'll give you a personal example. When I was writing the book, I published the the. Uh, uh, the chapters of the book on my blog and uh, and sought feedback from people and for for about two months i was getting on the order of forty or fifty visitors a day well then one day steve rubel linked to my uh, chapters and i that day which was a friday he drove twelve hundred visitors to my site and the following uh... monday there were about 800 visitors, about 600 visitors a day after that. And when that uh, activity finally ebbed, it, it plateaued at a new level, which was about 200 visitors a day. Now, this, so that indicates that this one person working without the benefit of a support staff, of circulation directors, of production people, of managing editors, or he works entirely by himself, was able to, to significantly uh, raise the visibility of, of some other person uh, through just the force of will. And he can do this. There are many other people like Steve Rubel out there who can do this simply by by pointing to content that they deem to be valuable on the Internet can uh, can create the stars, can create successes. And this is remarkable. I think that, that the power of these people is something that even the mainstream media right now don't really quite know how to, how to match. So uh, I chose him as a as a profile because I thought he's done a remarkable job of rising out of the ranks of public relations bloggers, of whom there are more than 600, uh, to become the number one and, and quite clearly the most influential public relations blogger on the web. Yeah, and I'm curious of the profiles that you uh, that you identify in your book. Is there any one particular profile that you think has the power to impact social media more than another? Well, uh, there's my there's my sort of intellectual favorite, which is Dan Bricklin, who's a, a brilliant guy. He was the inventor of the the inventor of the electronic spreadsheet, and, and a man who just understands uh, how information is communicated better than anybody else I've ever met. And he was a wonderful profile and a wonderful. Uh, a very insightful person to talk to. Uh, I think in terms of, of influence, uh, I probably would pick Peter Rojas of um, Engadget. Uh, and Peter Rojas was a guy, he's, he's, again, a very bright young man who uh, was unemployed as recently as 2003, was largely unknown, and and used a very unique approach to blogging to build uh, the two two of the largest blogs on the internet. One is called Engadget, and the other one is called Gizmodo. And and if you're a uh, consumer electronics uh, aficionado, these blogs are absolute must-reads. And through uh, the force of his unique editorial model and and his uh, just his stick to itiveness, 
he has built these into uh, sources of influence that are as important, in, in fact, are, are more draw more traffic on a, on a monthly basis than PC Magazine, which has been around for about 30 years. So uh, I think Peter Rojas is a, a wonderful example of someone who used the medium uh, to to create an entirely new editorial model that turned out in a very short time to be more powerful than that of publications that, that have been around for decades. Out of Boston this weekend here, our special guest is uh, Paul Gillen, author of uh, the new book, The New Influencers, A Marketer's Guide to the New Social Media. We've got one more segment to spend with Paul, and we'll do that in just a moment. How can 18 different companies all sell the exact same thing known as water? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most thought-provoking, groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. Your job demands you not only have good ideas, but great ideas. And those great ideas have to start somewhere. And that somewhere is in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. How can you get someone's attention if you don't have $10 million in a celebrity endorsement? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most innovative and groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. The next big idea demands out-of-the-box thinking. Start your search for greatness in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. What's up? Dino's stolen the different vitamins we need to make Flintstones. Welcome back to the Advertising Show. Paul Gillen, our special guest out of Boston, the new influencers, uh, marketer's guide to the new social media. And Paul, learning so much about this and how timely as well, Brad. But Paul, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, uh, I guess it's no secret to most that are listening to hear the advertising show on a regular basis. Viacom, uh, as we all know, is in the process of suing Google-owned YouTube for a billion dollars in copyright damages. And uh, I guess YouTube, Paul, is still trying to figure out their business model. I'm curious, what, what does the recent interest and in, in really just uh, going through the roof in terms of the uh, activity at YouTube, what, was it, what will that mean for the uh, marketers today? Well, YouTube is significant because it's a venue for distributing video, which uh, really is not exhibited, uh, has not existed in the past. And uh, you know, regardless of the outcome of the, the various copyright suits, I, I think that this is YouTube is a great opportunity to, to try things in public. And we've seen many uh, many uh, examples of this. There's a company called BlendTech uh, out of Warham, Utah, that has built a franchise of uh, of uh, funny, humorous videos uh, based upon their high-end blenders. The companies like Kodak have used YouTube to uh, kind of preview ideas for advertising campaigns and get feedback without having to play them to millions of people in, in uh, on, on national TV. So I think YouTube is is a great place to try ideas and to get feedback from a uh, a focus group of, uh, of of YouTube enthusiasts without having to spend all the money to roll something out for millions of dollars on a national stage. Well, let's say someone's listening today and, and they're interested in getting involved in social media marketing in one way or another. It's, it seems that 
that it has such a strong force, but yet uh, they may not be really, you know, know how to roll up their sleeves and get involved with it. What, what would your suggestion be for first steps to get involved in social media? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is tune in. You have to listen, and there are many services to do that. Technorati is one of them, uh, Google Alerts, uh, uh, Ice Rocket. There are many blog-specific search engines that will let you tune into the conversation. Start subscribing to uh, some of the bloggers who are writing about social media marketing, and it's as simple as searching on that term in Google really to find out who's doing that. And then uh, wade in. I would be be cautious and be deferential, but uh, try uh, getting involved in in uh, groups that are forming in places like Facebook and, and MySpace and uh, Flickr and StumbleUpon. Uh, try uh, f- learn the the ethics and the ethos of those groups, and uh, and try uh, influencing some bloggers. Try uh, try interacting with some bloggers who are prominent in the field that you cover. Uh, not on a, the basis of being a marketer or delivering a message, but on the basis of really seeking their opinion and, and mm-hmm. valuing what they have to offer. And I think as long as you're humble, as long as you're willing to accept criticism and are, are willing to focus on building relationships rather than pushing a message down the pipe, uh, you'll find that this is a receptive community and one that is, is open to engagement with you. You know, the examples you use in your book are referenced to American consumers and companies, but I'm curious, uh, is this strictly an American-led process of change as far as social media, or is it more global? Well, in fact, the number one language in the blogosphere is Japanese, according to Technorati. So uh, by no means is it American-led. In fact, uh, broadband penetration in countries like uh, Korea and Japan is actually greater than, than in the U.S., uh, I don't. I, I don't speak the language, so I can't say that I can uh, be very helpful on engaging with people outside the U.S. But social media is very much an international phenomenon, and it's something that if you if you speak other languages than English, uh, you'll find that there are large bonus audiences available out there. Mm-hmm. And and I'm curious with with uh, spammers finding new ways to disrupt the harmony of blog sites. Uh, how are bloggers having to adapt and change to keep their sites free of these unwanted annoyances? Well, there are technical ways to do that. Uh, the most common of which is to is to approve comments before comments appear on the blogs. But mm-hmm. the difference between uh, between spam email and, and uh, spam blogs is that people control individuals control their blogs and they very much control the comments that appear there. So for the most part, while spam blogs are a problem and it's very easy to set up a blog that is uh, uh, that is fake and that is intended to simply draw traffic and and, uh, and create uh, artificial page views for uh, for businesses, the fact is that for most legitimate bloggers, they've figured out a way around this problem because they own the property. Mm-hmm. We are out of time. Believe it or not, it goes quickly, doesn't it, Paul? What a shame! We have so much we we haven't talked about. <laughs> we'll get you back again. Love not, to. Not a, not a doubt about that. The new influencer.